Good. She got to go like this. Stay yeah. tuned for. <laughs> let me do that again. It's for, it's for those who can't see me, meaning everybody. He's got his hand over his ear. <laughs> meaning everybody. The old 40 style radio. Stay tuned for our part two indoor house plants. Coming up next on your Midwest Garden Podcast. Is that better, Mike? That was really good. That was good. All right. I was totally pressed. Hit it. All right, everybody. This is Michael Rucker, your Midwest Garden Podcast. We're with Mary and Sean again. We didn't have enough time uh, on the last program uh, talking about the indoor house plants, and it's a little bit more, not necessarily technical, but it's a little bit more involved. So we decided that we would do part B, uh, part two of the initial um, uh, indoor house plants, and Mary... Welcome back. I Thank mean, you, you never left us, did you? Yeah, no. All right. Well, um, <laughs> no, not to hijack the thread, but just so you know that indoor houseplants are getting more and more popular, big time. Well, college students especially. It was big in the fall. We, you know. Oh my gosh! Of, yeah. Well, why it, do you think that they're big? Well, a, it's probably a, a, a partial fad, but b, if you're in a dorm. You know, you, you got some that, life. You get some well, life in that new oxygen that that. And it's COVID, and there is some type well, of an easy um, placebo that's out there, or there may be something legit about it. But it's like she said, walking into here. I mean, I get hit with humidity. I mean, it it, it is it's it is inspiring. In I mean, we're in a in. what a seven stall greenhouse right now that is nothing but. Succulents, uh, tropicals. Yeah, um, it helps when you're talking to the mic, Mike. Oh, okay. Hi. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is, it's what, how many bays do you have here? Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, I, I was going to say maybe One, about two, seven of them. Three, four, five. Five right here for retail. Okay. More in the back. More in the back. Um, let's, let's continue where we left off. Yeah. Uh, we were talking basically about soils, insects, and what, what you know, how to wipe or wash down the plant itself. Well, we, we were talking a lot about soil, and I always tell people, you know, everybody's buying things from all over the place, and I love that, you know, because I can't carry every single plant, nor do I want to, you know, so some people will get some from, you know, we have in, in, in this area, we have so many wonderful greenhouses that, you know, people can stop and see something different wherever they are, you know, but, you know, you also have places like Aldi's selling house plants and you know, all these Why places, that what the heck, them? you know? So. Why do you think that they're selling them? Because people are... They want it. It's not a fad. I'm convinced it's a trend. Yeah. I mean, it's a brand new lifestyle that we're involved with right well, now. Well, and just from my horticultural background, we have, um, we had two people very close to the Toledo area, Rachel and Stephen Kaplan, who were social work, um, behavioralists, all of that. And they did lots and lots of research on nature and its impact on people. And it includes houseplants. And so one of the terms that I always use with people is plants offer you soft fascination. And Scott, you were talking about dorm kids in the dorms and college students. And soft fascination is basically when you see a plant-like material or you see a plant in your house or in your dorm, what it does is it reduces your blood pressure it takes down all of those fight or flight hormones like norepinephrine and epinephrine, and it, it's, it, it slows them down, and it relaxes the body. There's lots and lots of research. 
There are studies in the people in the hospital who re have reduced amounts of pain meds when they have a plant or they see a tree outside of a window. This is a huge trend. There's um, also called biophilic design. Hospitals are doing it. If you've ever been in the hospital, and I hope you're not, but if you go into clinics or anything like that, take a look at what's on the wall. What are What's framed on the wall? Scenes of nature, flowers, all of that, because there's lots of research to say, even though it's a picture, it still is a calming effect on everyone. And so if you put something live in your hands or in your home, it is even more a benefit to you. My periodontist, you know, when you're in one, and dentist, when they put you on the, that chair, it's like you're freaking out. They're going to mm -hmm. be putting in this needle in your jaw. And you ever right. saw how far it goes in? Or they're going to be taking this high-speed drill going, um, and then you're laying back, and, but you're looking straight up, and then there's this bouquet of flowers that's a painting with a, a bee floating around or a hummingbird on this, and you're looking at it, and, okay, I'm going to count the petals. Because it takes you somewhere else. That's right. It takes you back to summer. It takes you back to a smell. It takes you back to something, and that's what's happening. And sometimes people don't even realize that that's happening, but what a great effect it is. It's really good. All right. Now, when mm -hmm. it comes, we've got people that want to know what kind of, they're gonna, let's say when it's outdoors, and they're walking by somebody's house or garden. I had a mullen plant. Yeah. I mean, it, generally, if you want to dis you describe it, people would call that a weed before. Right, but it's a it medicinal a, herb. It's a medicinal <laughs> herb. <laughs> yeah. And it was so cool because the birds would... How did we find out what was legitimate to eat? Because I think it was because of plants. Yeah. I mean, animals, birds would come to it and peck at the flowers. Right. It would be a pollinator, but it was something unique. It was so tall. It was like seven feet tall, beautiful stature. But people would take pictures of it, and they'd want to know what it was, and they'd ask me, and I'd tell them what it is. But there's people that didn't ask me, and I'm watching them take a picture, and I'm not going to volunteer it. And I've heard them talking about applications that's on the Internet. Yeah, apps, That it'll apps. identify certain mm -hmm. plants. Yeah. Or it'll identify certain insects. Mm -hmm. What do you think of those apps? We've trialed, I think, three or four of them. Um, and I would say 90% of the time they're wrong. Really? And then I haven't done any for, um, well, and there are now apps out there to tell you what's wrong with your plant if you take a picture of it. And there's right. a, an app out there for bugs. So I'm sure there's many. I just, I don't know. My recommendation is get a book. Buy a book. Go to the library. Rent something. Get a really good houseplant book. I think that that's ideal. Um, I think people rely too much on technology and not on, on, on gut feeling. Sometimes gut feeling is a lot better. Yeah. And like I said, if they're wrong, now you run that risk of doing something detrimental to your plant. Doing if it's more a, harm than help. Right. And so either that or take a picture of the bug or take a picture of a leaf, bring a leaf in if you can cut a leaf off, and take it to a place that actually grows plants, some place that actually grows them themselves, and then let them help you decide what's going on. Plant identification, insect identification. Over at Scott's family's business, um, people used to bring things in to identify what they are. And I, now... I'm pretty sure they still do. Yeah, they yeah. still do. And Absolutely, and that's great. Well, yeah, but you need a professional, i.e. like Scott, or the people that, that are working over there mm -hmm. to that have been doing this a while. Right. Um, yeah, there's the opportunity of misidentification if you needed to. Uh, weeds, there's similar weeds. There's similar insect activity that you could go by. And there are so many plants that are so similar. But it, it generally, uh, from the broad spectrum, narrowing it down to... 
or isolate, you made mention of that you had a state inspector that would come in. Yeah. Now, the state inspector would give you a little bit of insight as to what you should or what you could right. or what you yep. might, uh, might want to do. He to- also tells us about trends and bugs, trends and, and diseases that they're seeing. I mean, honestly, I don't think people realize, you know, we are regulated very a lot. I mean, I can get shut down if I don't if I don't control bugs to the certain numbers and things like that. But, you know, those are experts are people you need to keep in your back pocket and use them. And I love my guy. He's just really good. And um, he's been everywhere. He's been worked in Florida. He knows what he's talking about. And if he doesn't, then we do um, we do we send plants away and then we get them tested. Does he do his own research, though, too? Does he he contact? Yeah, there's there's the um, land grant schools. Uh, Michigan State's one of them. Ohio State's one of them. University Mm -hmm. of Nebraska, et cetera. All of these. Yep. Um, does he then, being that he's hired by the state and employed by the land grant facility, can he go and find something out and then bring it back to your attention what it is? Yes. Well, to see, that's a plus. Yeah, it is. I, Absolutely. It, don't be afraid of these people yeah. when they and come in. And I've sent in. plants away. I've sent pieces of plants and whole pots away to Michigan State and let them analyze. I had an ethylene um, a problem last year in the greenhouse from one of our cracked furnaces and so certain plants started to all of a sudden I'd come in and leaves were gone they'd be dying I mean I lost a third of the greenhouse because of ethylene in the and ethylene interestingly enough is what they use to ripen tomatoes in hydroponic growing they, don't they, don't they, they use force, that to help to force, or is that CO2 for the for apple trees, too? Could be. I mean, could be. But in a hydroponic greenhouse, when they're growing tomatoes, they're they throw, green. Yeah, and they throw ethylene on it, and it ripens them faster. Not always the most ideal, but it does. Doesn't that absorb into the system of the, the fruit? I, I don't know. I don't know enough See, about it. See, now this is where, I mean, they used to take canaries down in coal mines. Yep. And if the canary didn't make it out of there, you got a problem. Right. Uh, now, if you've Same got, effect. I was going to say, you got a cracked uh, furnace over here. Mm-hmm. You have the ethylene. Yep. If it's not good for the plant, what good is it for? I mean, if you're going to be It's putting... not good for anything, really. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, we had to fix the problem. It was, a, it was a big ordeal. So, you know, I mean, we're all learning. We're all learning. I have messed around with some of the apps also. Have yeah. You? And I've taken one particular picture like five different times. Got three Three different, different answers. answers. Yeah. My daughter's done that, too, and then she um, she just kind of takes the pictures. When they give her an idea of what the plant could be, right. then she'll go and she'll look that up. And if you hit images on your Internet and you hit images, sometimes what happens is you do find the actual plant. Uh, she does a lot more research, but even so, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different varieties now. There's so many hybrids. Yes. There's so many things. Like, we just got in a, a few new different types of uh, philodendrons. And then everybody goes, is this the moonlight or the moonshine? Or is, yeah, it, the, those is are... it this or that? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Was I just it you know that told it... me you don't like the genetic modification I'm at all? I'm not a real fan of them. I think that that's kind of the way that they're going. And I just think that... Sometimes when they actually modify them, they weaken the system. And I just don't think the plant lasts as long. And that's not always the case. Again, there's always exceptions to everything that I say. But there's see, always I'm an thinking exception. That that's intentional so that you could buy more. Maybe. I mean, it, it, there was in a, in a business class, there was some type of intentional degradation uh, in the automobile industry. And now it's almost in everything that, you know, it's given X amount of years. Once the warranty's gone, guess what? That, you know... 
check engine light's going right, to be coming back right. up. Well, with the genetic modification on these plants, I'd rather just somebody take a clone or a cutting and then go ahead and continue that from that parent right, plant. Right. And that's actually the same plant. About 15 years ago, when I first started here, and it might have been a little bit earlier than that, um, tissue culture became a big thing. There was a couple companies, one in California, one in Florida, that started doing um, all tissue culture. So they were basically taking the genes of the plant, taking a small leaf off, isolating the gene, and then um, what they're doing is they're growing the plant from that. And so we saw that, and I started ordering a few of these plants. What I found was that there was a lot of death. It wasn't, these plants needed to have a very specific environment to maintain themselves. And I just don't have that. If they're not tough and they're not you resilient, I can't, I, I just don't. I mean, I like, I like trialing things and I've done plenty of that. Like I said, you know, all of our learning experience cost us money and I guarantee I have 20 PhDs from the money that I have spent learning what I can and cannot do. Right. As with most people. But it's kind of, it's kind of, it's the same story. It's the way you do it. It's not the end result. It's just the journey. We were talking actually about, you know, some of these, 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 these applications that you have on the phone. Yeah. That are going to be giving you, you know, whether it's negative or positive information, you won't, you just want to go with somebody that knows what in the hell they're talking about. Right. I mean, I don't deny people putting a plant app on their phone because you never know. It might be it might be good information. And like I said, it may lead you to something else. If you see a plant, maybe it leads you somewhere else. But don't take it as gospel. Right. There could be some there could be some things that aren't right there. It may not. And I've seen it over and over. I during the break, we had some customers here. And so we took a little break in the recording. During the break, I went, I popped out my one app, app yeah and did f- like five different plants in it nailed all five but basically on the cultivar okay name so you know it, it went from not being very good and maybe the updates help but what l- plants did you do scott which ones do you remember which ones you id were they common plants well yeah or they a here. little more obscure that's the thing you know I'll, I'll, yeah i'll tell you well, this is good. I, you know, this is hands-on right here. Scott has an application on his cell phone. So um, uh, it came up with shell ginger was one of them, but it was... Uh, was a, that the variegated, the variegated leaf? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let me see what else it came up with. A Swiss cheese plant. The Monts... Uh, I'm terrible yep. at pronouncing. No, Monstera, yeah. Monstera. Yep. Pencil tree. Oh, good. That's a common one now. Yeah. And then the... Uh, they called it a crimson bottle brush. Uh, yours has oh, a different name. That's Calist- a hybrid. Cal- Calistemon. Calistemon. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh-huh. how many different varieties are there? Well, you got what? What? Now, did you have to pay big bucks for that well, one? Well, that's that- a problem. Every year, you got if you want like the pro level or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a thirty dollar purchase. And that may be what they're doing. That might be how it works because I don't really use those. I really like hands on. I like looking at books. I like talking to others. I mean, lots of my customers, I learn so much from my customers. And that's important because people come in and share with me things that they've had. And I'm like, ooh, I think I need to research that. And, but I really think you got to balance it. Don't just live and breathe by an app. Get a book. Right. Do all those it, things. It is a tool it in is your a toolbox. Tool. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. 
In the previous show, we talked about moving your plants indoors, equalized temperatures. Is it the same? Do you do the same going out? Usually you do. You really do, yeah. And, you know, the one thing, too, and I just want to kind of go back a little bit about bringing your plants in. Sometimes keeping plants, certain plants outside in a cooler nighttime temperatures, and that's crucial. The nighttime temperatures is what I pay more attention to. Sometimes when you bring them in then, if they've been given a few weeks of that mid to 50s, upper 50s, it kind of induces blooms. So you are creating a whole new um, season for your plants by keeping like jades, for example. If you ever get a jade plant, we keep our temperatures down in here in September or October. I don't turn the heat on and some of our plants go a little, get a little mean, but the jades will bloom in December because of the cooler temperatures. But the only thing is, is if you've trimmed them, you've got to time your trimming on the right time. But For the first time in my life, I've seen an aloe vera bloom. Oh, yes. Beautiful. I mean, cold as well. Think about it. Succulents, cactuses, when do they bloom? After the cold winter rainy season. Afterward. After. So they go through the winter season, and that's the rainy season. And that's where I said to people, look at your plant, get a plant book, and look at the history of that plant, and look and see what its requirements are. And kind of visualize this, the country that it comes from, where does it originate, what's that atmosphere like for that plant? And then you can kind of emulate that, whether taking it outside and giving it some really high humidity that we've currently been getting year after year, or just some little bits of cold temperature changes and things like that. And so, like, if you're bringing your plants out in the, in the um, summer, and I, it's summer, not spring, right. we have this, um, you know, sometimes we've had four inches of snow in April, but sometimes it's been 65 degrees and people are, like, throwing their plants outside or they're coming in and they're buying all of our, like, all of our annuals and they're going, I'm sticking them outside, that's where we ended up coming on. I mean, we had one of our biggest uh, listenerships when we go, this is an emergency broadcast of your Midwest Garden podcast yep. system. It's April 16. We got a freeze warning coming yep. our direction. Yep. And we had, what, three inches of snow yep. on top of the freeze warning. Yep. And it basically, I mean, it caused a lot of people... A lot of bring, damage. Uh, well, the ones that didn't listen to us, yeah, it, it, it did a lot of damage. And that was like you said, the yeah. annuals that they get in mid-April, April 15 tax day through the first to the end of April. How do you know? Now, there is an, when do you take them outside? Well, I don't even take them out in May. Thank honestly, you. Honestly, honestly, our Mays are cold and dreary now. Our rains are cold. That plays an important part. You know, it's not a warm summer rain. It's cold. We're going back to what Grandma used to do. Yeah. And we are talking, Grandma never used indoor houseplants, but what she did was when she did her vegetable garden, or when Grandpa did, right. they would follow the full moon in May. Right. Oh, I know. Moon gardening is a very, it's a, it works. It really is an interesting thing. See, we had to have Eric to convince. Yeah. Okay. It's a very interesting way to garden, but it, it does work. And I just am, I'm just cautious, especially if you spent so much money and time and energy on all these house plants that you have just be patient and i know people want to open their houses up and get things outside and yes in may you could have some 70 degree days but it's the nighttime temperatures and it's the rain you could flood your plants out it, we got cold rain it could shock their systems and then don't take it outside and throw it in full sun you acclimate your plants you, you start them, them off yep. for a couple hours pull them back in 
then a few more hours and after after a few days and pull them back in. Like you would if you had no sunscreen on. Oh my gosh, exact that's exactly how you have to explain it to people is that if you went outside if you were indoors all all winter and you went outside for 8 hours in the sun, you would be fried to a crisp. And that's no good. I, I honestly think our calendar is incorrect. And over the close to 60 years I've been on this planet, it has shifted where May is now a cold. Like it, is. it used it's to be April. what, April? We used to, Thank you. We used to celebrate not just Easter, not, you know, not a religious holiday, but uh, Memorial Day weekend was whenever when it was basically the official summertime. Hit the ground running. Yes. Yeah. Now and we're still in our coats. Mm, yeah. Yes. Now we're afraid to bring any, like you said, Mary, to bring anything outdoors yet. Yep. Or like people who are so itching to get their plants growing and garden growing to have vegetables, tomatoes and peppers and eggplants hate cold rain. They hate it. I. You know and how so I found out about moon? Yeah. About moon gardening was from an old Polish gentleman. He uh, was working in it. He just wanted to, he, at the garden center. And it wasn't that he was working for money. He was just keeping busy. But one time he came in, mid late June, first part of July, first crop of tomatoes, right? And he brings in this bushel basket. He's waddling in. But everybody's coming in with their, their ugly, you know, uh, blossom end rot yeah. uh, or cracks from lack of calcium on their tomatoes. And they're coming up and they're go, they're looking at theirs and they're looking at Tom. He was nicknamed Tomato Tom. His name was Tom Achevsky. Um, I asked him right flat out. I go, what are you doing that nobody else is doing? And he goes, come here. And he talked, he whispered to me in his broken Polish brogue. He said, you plant these into full moon in May. And I'm going, what? Yep. Plant them into full moon in May. Why? Because it takes in all the nutrients in the middle of the full moon and it's plenty of the tret. The tret of a killing frost is over. The tret. <laughs> I'm going, oh, tret. A tret of a killing frost, and it's taking in all the nutrients. Oh, okay. And he says, I got three more bushels of these, and people are crying. Yeah. Because they want to put it in a Mother's Day. Like Scott said, the calendar changed. Yeah. I'm convinced of that, too, but they've always followed the moon. Yeah. And if for the, our longtime listeners, that is the fourth time you've told that story on air? Oh. I don't give a rat's bottom. <laughs> that gave me, that is, he is definitely somebody that gave no, he, me. Do you know the Old Farmer's Almanac has, if you ever catch one up at the counter what was that? at the wait grocery store. Wait a minute, what was the that? The Old Farmer's Almanac. Hello, Scott. Yep. You know, there's somebody else that reads that. And it does have a lot of moon growing applications. It kind of gives you some ideas. And like I said, I have listened to so many of my customers and what they've done and what my grandmother's done. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a great idea, and I think it, it works. Again, in the last podcast we had, I was pushing the, 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 the benefits of what they're, they're going back to how they used to grow and farm before World War II. Right. After World War II, in the 50s, they were growing. Science, science is the answer. Come on. Better living through science? The nuclear family? Give me yeah, a break. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, these we're finding out that science ain't exactly our best friend, right. and science is learning from us. Yes, yes. So Natural in this case, what worked for two thousand, three thousand, four thousand years, hunter gatherers. I mean, when it came down to the agri system, they know what they were doing, and they were following the moon right. and the seasons. Yep. So tips and tricks for house plants once you put them out, and we're into summer. Yeah. 
What, what do you got up your sleeve well, that you can Well, you know, share? that's that's the biggest thing is it's all going to uh, depend upon the amounts of rain that we get. Make sure that your pots outside have good drainage so that they don't, if we, because we don't have light rains anymore. We don't have a, no, two or don't. three days right. of a mist or a light rain. We have torrential, torrential downpours, downpours and that suffocates your plants out. Again, it's, you know, your plants take up fertilizer and water via osmosis. And if you remember from grade school, osmosis goes from high to low, low to high. And if you are saturating that plant with lots and lots of rainwater and there's nowhere for it to go, your, your plant will, the, um, the, uh, the vascular system of that plant will just collapse if there's too much water. So that's something to think about. If we have a forecast of a couple days of pretty tremendous rain, you wanna either put your plants away you don't want them out in too much sunlight. You know, it's really going to be hot, but there's a lot of plants that as they're acclimated, it's all going to be just fine. Well, like you said also, with the heavy rains, it's not exactly like the gradual ones, but the heavy rains also promote humidity, which in turn is going to promote fungus activity and insect activity. That's true. So that I is mean, true. Yep. The Great Lakes region is one great big petri dish Yeah. that's going to allow it to benefit, not benefit, but you're going to have this uh, if you're pre-prepared for it. Now... Mind you, you 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 were saying, so you I don't know how many people have air conditioning, but do you take them out according to the calendar, or do you take them out according to let's say when you turn the furnace off, and before you turn the air conditioning off, temperature that's has to basically be similar. Similar again, yeah, I think that's a good idea, and realize too that you know if you are keeping your house plants in the house in the summer and you do have air on that yeah. removes all humidity from the air so you're kind of putting yourself back into a similar situation not quite as bad but where there is no humidity in january and february true so you have to be very pay attention to that because plants lose humidity they they transpire they their stomata open um, they breathe. They breathe. And so they emit oxygen and humidity into your air. And if there is less humidity in the air in the summer with a um, with an air-conditioned house, you have to supplement that by adding more water to a potted plant. And that just, I said, every time the seasons change, you have to change the way you water and fertilize. So in this case, we're going from bringing the, house, the plants indoors from the summer now we're getting ready to take them outdoors. Yep. This is not quite the prime time to do this. this now, mind you, this is April, March, April. Um, so you're going to tell us basically wait, to hold off. Wait, wait a couple more months. Yeah. Is there a Usually moon to follow June, on that one? Well, I'm sure there probably is. I don't know what the moon is at this time <laughs> until I look at a calendar. But I usually, I usually shoot for the 1st of June. Okay. I think we're fairly safe at that point. You could still have some cooler temperatures. But, you know, last year... It was a cold. I mean, I write this down because I always write the weather down when I'm sowing seeds. And uh, last year, because I, I started sowing seeds, I looked at my book. May was cold and rainy the whole time. It was very, yeah. very cold. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we hit June hit and it was 80 degrees and high humidity uh, instantly. So that's a shock to everyone. But two years prior, it, June hit and it was a mini drought. It was a mini drought. Yeah. So you're going to have to basically pay watch, attention. Keep, Pay attention. Get that, get it's that, not get that, that farmer's almanac no. that Scott's laughing yeah. at me about. Yeah. <laughs> but. yeah, I mean, really, it's just, you know, people just throw things out there and then they just walk away. And sometimes, you know, you just got to go back and 
take a quick peek at stuff outside. Mary, can we utilize your knowledge on some other things? I'd like to talk to you. You're into growing herbs. Um, you're also yeah, plants for remedial purposes. I'd like to see what we could do later on as far as the conversation on the who, what, when, where, and how mm-hmm. on, on plants and how plants are benefiting and not the genetic modified because they're closing on this one right now. You're talking about plants that are glyphosate resistant, that are Roundup resistant, but yeah. it doesn't mean that they don't take that, that right. toxin into the plant. Right. And transfer it back to the person that's going to be consuming it. Right, exactly. So I want to go into later on on what's beneficial from for herbs or different types of plants. And it sounds like you're you're pretty heavy into organic growing as well. I am, and I, I really try to tell people, too, as far as we didn't really talk a lot about fertilizing. But, you know, follow the directions. Give your plants a break. Don't always fertilize. They usually need a, a quiet time, and that's usually winter. And then I, you know what? I like to eat different foods. I like to try different things. I am a firm believer in giving your plants different fertilizers. Well, see, now, before we close on this, there was something that I wanted to hit was when do you mist? When do you water heavy at the soil level? And when, I mean, nutrients. Well, I, my, the way I explain it to customers when they come in is to water the pot completely. A lot of people, especially cactus and succulents, think that a small little ploop of water at the base of the plant is enough. And you have to think about the volume of the pot with the soil in it versus the volume of water. So if you have a four-inch pot, that's what, two cups? All right, you don't give it two tablespoons of water. That's never going to get to the bottom of the plant. And each part of the plant, all that root supports different parts of a plant. So if you're only giving it a small amount of water at the very base of the plant, there's no way for that moisture to wick all the way down through the soil to the bottom where there are more roots. And so you'll see, like if you've ever seen half of your plant die back, it's inconsistent, inappropriate watering. And so you have to water, I say, water thoroughly and let it go dry. Now, there are certain plants that need to be dry for a week, a certain plant that needs to be dry for two weeks, or a certain plant that just likes the light moisture. You're going to have to figure that out. Sometimes they all require similar lighting. Clump those together. Put those together so you know in your house what needs to be done when and where. Um, and they're, they're just some, And those are for people who really struggle with plants. That's just an easier way of growing. So water well. And I don't care if it's a cactus or an herb or a foliage plant. Water it completely, thoroughly so it drains through. Make sure it's not pot-bound. And fertilize when it's actively growing. Don't fertilize a plant when it's very quiet and dormant. Oh, Scott, he's so smug. I love that one. (laughs) And I didn't know about the roots hitting different parts of the plants. I didn't know that. And then another thing, just as I'm thinking about it, too, um, you know, everybody's doing the Just Add Ice Orchids, which are grown in southern yes, Ohio, Oberlin, yes. Ohio, Green Circle Growers. They are doing the Just Add. And the reason why they started that was because, like myself, for years I killed orchids over and over because you care for them, you love them too much, and you water them too much. But there is something more to adding ice cubes to your orchids, and that's the Phalaenopsis orchid, the moth orchid. That's a cool-weather bloomer. So what that ice does is it, it cools the root system down, and it helps to, to give that plant that false feeling that it's a different season. So by adding that ice, you're cooling that root system down. What people forget to do, and these are epiphytes, which means they don't need soil to grow. They take a lot of nutrition from the air. Well, what kind of nutrition do you have in your home? You don't have 
forest breakdown. You don't have mosses. You don't have the, it's not growing in the crook of a tree You've in your house. You've got filtration systems that are taking all of the supposed right. so um, you're, the toxins out. Well, I mean, a fertilizer floating around in the house ain't good. Well, you have to fertilize a just-add-ice orchid. So if you're doing, you're successful with an orchid by adding ice cubes to it, get yourself an ice cube tray that's specific for fertilizer and add fertilizer to water to the, and pour it in your ice cube tray oh, and fertilize yeah. it that way. Let that, and then you don't have to worry about it. See, that came from the Farmer's Almanac too, Scott. But the, remember, Cha-ching. orchids need a dormancy period. It doesn't matter what kind of orchid it is. They need a downtime, and that's usually in between bloom times. Now, when you what you call them? I mean, I noticed Epiphytes. that they're most, mostly... Rhizomaceous. Yeah. Meaning that they don't have, like, they grow in the cracks of mountains, don't they? They do. They grow in the crooks of trees. That's why most people get frustrated with the orchids as they grow. They like to hang upside down. Yeah. And that's right. just the way they grow. And so you can right side them up when they're not blooming, and you can redo that. That's fine. You know, but a lot of people put them in boxes, those teak boxes. There are a lot of orchid types of things. There's pots that their root system comes out and misting them and all sorts of things. I mean, you just got to know your plant. And I, like I said, if you read something and you, um, you know, everybody reads on the internet and that's great. But what I'm finding now when I'm reading on the internet, like if I pull up, like I want to identify or look at a new plant that I have and I pull it up on, on Google, for example, all I'm getting now are the people who pay for advertising. Yes. And it's all these people who are in their homes, they're selling in different areas. They're not the actual growers. It's not, you're not getting Rutgers or Cornell as that top slot, you're getting all these people who are telling you, and they could be in the Pacific Northwest, they could be down south, and then everybody, they just, oh, I read it on the internet, and this is what it said. You got to know who your source is, and you got to know where they're at. And that's why I said balance what you're reading on the internet with a good plant book. That's the best. Skip the first five to six yes. results if in says, Google. And if then, it says add. Then start going. Yeah. Well, they usually have a little that says AD add, yeah, or, add, in, the, in the far for. left corner, mm-hmm. and you go all the way down. But until- see, we do that with our website. You know, we put in taglines. You can do that when you create your own website. You can put taglines in. And so we do tropicals. We do houseplants. We do bonsai. So sometimes when you're Googling that in this area, we can come up. First, right, right, or third, or whatever. I don't pay for advertising like that, but well, I could, but I'm not. I mean, that's why we're really pacifying Scott. He really wants to know, but he's also the technocrat. I yeah. mean, when it comes down to knowing anything and everything, when it comes down to the internet yeah. or any of the media, that's why he's on board. Yeah, not because he wants to know anything, right, Scott? <laughs> No, it's just, you know, I just say just do your research and just use more than one source. I think that's ideal. And I, I, I think it's kind of fun to get an old-fashioned houseplant book. It's really kind of cool to see some From of them, even back. if they're black and white. And, you know, they're just interesting. Go to the Savers. They're, I guess Savers not in anymore in, in this area. But, you know, even Goodwill. Thrift Books Online the, has some right. really cool, in, inexpensive um, recycled books. Look through what they have. It's kind of fun. So to what see. I've what I've learned in these two episodes is it's an old movie line is to know the plant is to be the plant. Yeah. So I mean you you going to these books to find you know if, if this lives in Timbuktu then I need to know what Timbuktu is. Yep. And build Timbuktu in that portion of my house. You really only need let's say there's 
You just have to look at the climate that the plant originated from and try right. to emulate as much of that as you can. So let's say you can't emulate humidity. I mean, you can't, plants need 50, 60% humidity, or they like it, if they're a high humidity plant. If you had that in your house, You'd your walls your, would start, yeah. your, your floors your would warp, the plane, would yeah, your, yeah. 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 And people go, oh, I put a humidifier on my plants. Well, that's good. It's still not going to be enough. It's still not. Not for a huge house. You might have to tent your plant and all that, but do you want to get into that? Allow them to go a little bit dormant and let them go through right. a little bit of a tough time over the winter and then take them out and they just, well, well welcome back. You know That's what happens with us? When we've weathered the storm, we're a stronger individual. And if you're constantly pampering your plants, if they're always getting water and fertilizer and it's that specific and you've never let them go to a bit of a wilt, they're weaker I think it builds good bones and good root systems and a better plant when you just kind of give them a little bit less over certain parts of the time. It's called hardening, isn't it? It is hardening, yeah. 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 Uh, well, so, Scott, did you learn anything from Mary today? I already said it. I just well, said it. Oh, you're not listening to me I, again? I, I was, you know, it went over my head, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's got a she's got a scale here from it's Toledo scale. No springs added. I mean, this place is really unique. Um, Mary, I want to thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All the way around. Oh yes, my gosh, my favorite. So I just love talking. So well, <laughs> we're gonna hit you up again. Yeah. Now, Scott's waving. He's saying it's time. It's time. Okay. Right. Mary, thank you. You're welcome. We're thank gonna come you. back with an invitation after the busy season. And we're gonna discuss your herbs too. Great. All right. Great. Thank you again, Scott. You got anything to say? No, except we'll see everybody next time. Well, we won't see him. It's an audio. We don't see. This is a radio. No, this is a, well, yeah. They'll hear us. We won't hear them. How do you know? <laughs> All right. See you later, folks. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.